the end of a series, but not the end of an era. Oh, man. As the final embers flick away, our island has been changed. Forever? We shall see. Dun, dun, dun. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin. Why so sad, Justin? Because it's issue four of Inferno. It's the final Inferno. It's the final Hickman, at least for now. Yeah, I fingers can crossed. I can understand why that's sad, but hot diggity dang what, this issue. What he has given us will remain, and what has been worked on will further grow. These are true statements. It's just you know it's heavy. Yeah, it's a it's yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's heavy physically because it's a it's a big book. <laughs> But it's also it's a just thick one. a lot of things happen. Lots of twists and turns and hachi-machi moments. This is the only series except for House of X and Powers of Ten that we've done an episode for each issue. Yes, because of the gravitas. Yeah, for sure, for sure. We normally just do it for issue ones of new stuff. And we'll see if that holds out for the rest. But we still, we're still figuring it out. Yeah, but as you may have guessed, this is all Inferno all the time. We're Just not, in front of, there's no news. There, well, there's news. Oh. We're, we're not talking about Legion of X. We're not talking about the X-Men vote. No. We're not going to talk about Marvel leaking their own comics on Marvel Unlimited, which we read, but we're not talking about it. We're talking about... Inferno. Inferno. It's all Inferno all the time. All Inferno all the time. Peep that cover. Oh, that cover. Oh, it's like haunting. It's emotional. It's poetic. It's ultimately misleading, but it is beautiful. <laughs> ultimately misleading for sure. Oh, man. I mean. So we, we, the split of mystique into destiny. Yeah. I think, you know, it's really about them. There are two sides of this story. Their intertwined relationship. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and also just the amount of impersonations that Mystique has been doing throughout this series. Mm-hmm. And I mean, whose grave that is? Don't know. We don't know. Don't know. But. We have speculations. We're going to get into it. Are you ready? I'm not ready. Page turn noise. This is how little you matter. Omega Sentinel. Dag nabbit, Omega there's Always. some there's who omega yeah i get we're not even gonna i don't even that's it moving on title page boom inferno inferno you know what's up that's a recap Here i see we go. i see no mention to the books of destiny which have been on the three issues before mm. but there are the seasonal sections of the quiet council and the tiny type at the bottom interesting written by jonathan hickman art by valerio shiti and stefano casali color art by david curio Letters by Joe Sabino. BC's Joe Sabino. All right. We're picking up right where we left off. Yeah. Paraverde, the Orcus Node, the With, end of the line. Yeah. the Our standoff of two verse 50, or, or really two verse two with a bunch who don't matter, as we'll <laughs> see in a couple of pages. We've got Xavier and Magneto on one side, Omega Sentinel and Nimrod on the other, and a bunch of Orcus scientists in between with guns. You will submit to human science. I, I love that line, especially just how intensely this bearded orcus scientist is screaming at them. Yeah. It is a nice parallel, this conversation. You know, 
Charles and Magneto are having their conversation about what should we do and you know after everything that we've been through it comes back down to this same idea of we fight or we we lose like this parallel between what Nimrod is saying when he says these two they would die for their cause and that's what Gregor's husband essentially did he died for his cause so that they wouldn't win so it's just an interesting kind of back and forth I really like that. It adds weight to everyone's argument. They're all fighting for what they believe in and are seemingly all willing to die for it. So that's pretty awesome. There's a lot of interesting parallels throughout this issue that we'll see. Yeah. I I do love Magneto's confidence right here. That's Nimrod. He's delivered himself to us. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Has he though? Yeah. Uh, As if as if we haven't been trying to fight him off slash prevent him the entire time. Yeah. You know, he's he's here, that's for sure. But we'll see the outcome. I love how little Xavier Magneto know in this situation. They're still confused about Moira not being there. Was this all a trap? Yeah, but they don't know what's happening, but they're, Ready. they think they're right. They, you well, know, yeah. they're like, we don't know what's going on in this situation, but we know that you have Moira. You have her and we're angry. And I mean, they were always down to kill some orcas people so before we that's true before we get too too deep in this book i just want to just call back out the art and just say the art made me feel like i was back in the land of hawks pox with the art and the the feelings the vibrating feelings that came off the page yeah especially in the next couple of pages when the battle actually breaks out oh but before we actually battle we need to remove the people who don't actually matter omega and nimrod decimate all of the orcas scientists that went through the gate because this battle isn't for them this battle is for titans titans only those of consequence it's great to see some of this philosophy from the machines from the ai as we continue, what their take is on the war of humans and mutants as they sit off to the side, ready to make their move. And it just gives us like, that's our first twist right there, right? So Omega knew that she wouldn't be able to make Orcus and mount her plan solely as a machine. So she had to basically use a human to get what she wanted, but she has no she care doesn't for care for them. Right. And, she, and, and, from the perspective of the mutants, the technology and the humans are basically a united front against the mutants. But really, it's like three players in one game and they're going to eliminate one of those players, which, which is humans. Yeah, which is interesting because that is really the realization that comes at the end of Powers of Ten is that the real threat is the machines. The right. humans are just a stalling point to get to the final battle. It's just Xavier... And Magneto don't know how much information these machines have. They've got a lot of it. Yeah. And this battle is epic. I I absolutely love these pages. The art is so intense. There's all this energy, blasts everywhere, and explosive destruction. This page after the the actual decimation of the Orcus agents is just... Yeah. ah, All the screaming everywhere. It's amazing. And then this panel with... Charles and Magneto, we could ask the same of you, and we will. And Magneto just floating in his bubble. And that was one of the preview pages early on. I think it was right after issue three came out that they posted. Amazing. This parallel between 
Omega Sentinel's words, that's our secret, we've held it close, hidden from the world, but here it is. We hate them as much as we hate you. And this is your nightmare, no? Mutants finally claim their rightful place ahead of humanity, only to have your real enemy reveal itself. Listen to me, mutant. It's not a nightmare if it's real. That, even that. Well, so that, to Moira's point. It's not a dream if it's real, Charles. Yeah, there's there's a couple of them. There's a couple of those callback lines in there. And, you know... They think, here's the thing, in this moment, when Charles says to Magneto, yeah, we're the only people here, just go ahead and like do it and destroy the base, destroy it, and Magneto starts like, do they really think that's it? Like, okay, Magneto's just going to do one thing and then we win? I, that's what I was saying before with him saying Nimrod's delivered himself to us. We've sent how many missions to right. try and take down Nimrod? How many times has Nimrod killed Wolverine? And I understand the difference between Magneto and Wolverine right. against a metal opponent, yes. But he is an adaptive opponent and he's not by himself. So, right. yeah, you know, it's a good opening play, but it's not the full shabam. For true. For true. As Nimrod fires back. Oof. Oh, yeah. Just like all of the art in this battle is... So epic and so amazing and really gives me those moments that I really enjoy where you don't have to have a lot of text or a lot of dialogue and the imagery is just cinematic. You know, it's really telling you what's going on and letting you see it from all sides and feeling the impact of the big moments like this moment. Yeah, and then especially the moment of Nimrod shattering Cerebro. Yeah. How just... demonic and terrifying he looks in that shot next to it. The the energy coming out of his eyes and mouth as Xavier loses it. I was curious what Xavier could be doing to Nimrod in the panel here, but also I brought it up in the cover of last issue. So obviously I, I did some digging. Mm-hmm. And there is precedent of him using psychic wave manipulation, essentially making his thoughts real and affecting the physical world. Mm. And there has been some notes of him having low-level telekinesis, and especially at this point when now he's lost Cerebro, he's lost the ability to back him and Magneto up, which we find out is is really what he's flipping out about. Right. He just loses it on Nimrod. It's interesting, too, when you see Nimrod pulled apart like this, he basically has a brain. Right. Right. Even even you see what looks like a human brain. Yeah, you see an actual brain. And so... That's interesting. Is Nimrod some sort of hybrid or is his technology, is that essentially just like a technological brain, like modeled after a human brain, but built solely of technology? And is that why Xavier can manipulate him a little bit? I don't know. Yeah. Which is interesting because he's not really manipulating his actions or his thoughts, but he's like physically tearing him apart, which. Right. That's what I was saying about the. Yeah. Which is interesting. Oh, snap. We back on Krakoa. In the no place. In the no place. A little interrogation. Mystique and Destiny have Moira trapped and without her arm. Yeah, she's got no arm. And, you know, she's upset because she thinks they don't know the full story. And then they do know. They know. And so they know. And she's like, so you can't kill me. And then. Trying to to play the ultimate bluff. (laughs) And then Mystique, actually, Moira, I disagree. And she just pulls out that gun. Shoots her. Zap. And this this lack of art, this no Fading feeling, away. This fading, yeah. These couple pages and as then, it just disappears. And then, 
the death of Moira X. Which is interesting because it's not, Moira's not actually dead, but Moira X. Mm. Moira the mutant. Moira and her X gene. Well, as we find out, yeah, of what she was actually shot with. Flash it back to Emma. Emma, Emma, get it, get it. Emma, Emma Frost. I don't want to call it too soon, but how how much did Emma sell? I, I was calling it that Emma gave her, them everything. That that she helped orchestrate the capture of Moira. The yeah, you even called out this gun before, right? You said they would take her powers away, and I'm pretty sure you referenced the specific gun in which this gun that appears in Marauders Ten that Emma takes from the Russians that are developing it from Forge's partner at the time, mm-hmm. his photographic memory. So. Here's the thing. Yes, you're correct. Emma does lay it all out for them. But she lays it all out and then she steps back. And she's just like, oh. I'm going to put all the, the information out here and I'm going to let you do with that what I need she you is, to do with she that. She is just as guilty. So that, oh, I'm, but I don't think they're guilty of anything. I think Moira deserved it because hashtag called it for later. Okay? <laughs> just saying. I will agree with that. I called Emma's involvement here, but it's not negative as I assumed. So I'll give you props for the intent. Emma is actually the hero of Krakoa. That's right, she is. But I called the action. Emma is behind the capture of Moira through Destiny and Mystique and potentially some other things later on. But I'm actually okay with all that too. Guilty by association, but... Guilty by orchestration, but mm, not really like guilty. A little, little puppet. Yes. A little puppet master. Yes. But she's cooler than Charles when Charles does it. But yeah, I, this, is, um, this is a power move by Emma. This is a do my bidding, but I'm making it seem like I'm helping you, but right. really you help want me the, help you. We want the same thing here. Yeah. I'm just giving you the means. I'm giving you a way to find Moira. This distinction I really did enjoy. I of, loved it. The difference between Emma's and Charles's power, Emma sees weakness when she scans, flaws. I'm not sure how that all works, but it works here enough that I'll allow it without questioning it too much. And I'm just... No, yeah, it's really interesting that it's more about the perspective of how you're looking at things, right? right? Like glass half full, glass half empty kind of a perspective. You know, when Charles, I feel like when Charles is reading someone's mind he's saying okay what can i use from you to manipulate you and what what are your strengths that i can use for my like on my behalf so i'm gonna look for your strengths because i'm gonna use your strengths i mean to that's better me okay let <laughs> I mean, me that's... have my thoughts <laughs> sure and it's... then emma is like what are your weaknesses because i can break you down with your weaknesses and i can overcome you mm-hmm. so it's just about how they're you know using their power but i think it's a really cool distinction and i also really think that is a good explanation for why it is that Emma saw things that they didn't want her to see the way Magneto says she knows like we lied to her right you know and that's just it's a really cool differentiation of their powers I don't know if anything like that has ever been explained before but it's cool I think she even saw things that Moira didn't want her to see you know the idea of weakness that we're talking about or or protecting information in her mind but we'll get to that later on. Mm. And, you know, she's got her gifts. Yeah, the details on the tracker in Moira's arm, which I'm not sure what they're using to actually lock on to the signal mm-hmm. of her arm. I would question that a little bit, but it's giving us the ways to find Moira and where she is. And also, 
something to do about her. That gun that had been revealed in Marauders 10, but also the conversation between Mystique and Forge from X-Men number 20 when she's in his lab talking about the, the worst weapon you've ever developed. Yep. It was a gun that turned us into them. And now we get this sort of series of events of how where we are now came to be. And I know you and I had, and we also brought this up on Ugly Xmas with our council, this conversation of did was this whole thing plotted out? Was it a matter of circumstance? And I think the answer that we came to was a lot of people were feeling that it would was plotted out, but maybe it was a matter of circumstance. Is that correct, do you think? I think it was plotted out. I'm, I'm... So do you... Okay. My question is, do you think that was the conclusion we all came to? Yes. Okay. Now, I've been ag- advocating for the fact that there was a lot of happy coincidences, and I would still advocate for that seeing this, because I think that she used her information to find out where Moira was, and then... Moira is in this particular situation and she used that situation to her advantage and you don't because think, how how else did she get all the all You don't these think that Orcus people? was called by Mystique? You don't think No, that- I do think that Orcus was called by Mystique, but that was if in the order of events, in the order of this in, at least in the order that they show it, first she pretends to be Sage and then she is one of the Orcus agents that captures Moira and then she takes Moira to the side and then she, which this is awesome, so not Sabretooth, but, you know, makes them kill each other with this gas. And then this is the image of the head that appeared to tell them that there was a break-in and then that Nimrod and Omega came. So I do think that she did that, but I still... I don't know. I still think that she got she used the situation to her advantage versus planned the whole situation. I don't know. I think she created the situation. The fact that she is going in and there's stuff happening in between these first two panels is three hours ago, one hour ago. That's when she becomes the scientist and actually goes into the base in I think it was issue two that we saw. And then she has now become an agent to get Moira. That she- so you think um, in issue one when there was the conversation back and forth because Orcus was saying horticulture gave them faulty information and then they were like, no, it's not that there's, it's not that the information is wrong, it's that there's two gates, not one. And then Orcus went to to scope it out. I feel like that was the initiator and then Mystique found out all of that information and then used it to her advantage. I don't know, maybe she's the reason that their stuff went crazy in the beginning. I just think... In some situation, there's a little bit of a coincidence of the fact that Orcus was already investigating the Paris location. Okay, so that that was not orchestrated by Mystique, Destiny, or Emma. The fact that Orcus has a larger presence in Paris, that was, I won't say happy coincidence, but the result... I will. <laughs> the, the result of Moira's actions, her traveling to Muir Island repeatedly, and her secret gate, I'm assuming in her apartment to her no place. Right. So that's creating the energy spike. I feel like that is all in response to what Omega Sentinel has been changing in this timeline, which becomes a wormhole of potential conversations. (laughs) Orc is being so advanced, Nimrod coming online so early. These are the new events that are pushing Moira in a particular direction. Mm, That's interesting. But... Yeah, then then from there, Mystique uses all of that to her advantage in her plan. Right. 
that I totally am on board with. And yeah, it's not Sabretooth, but I'm fine with that. Yeah, it's still cool. I am everywhere. I am nowhere. A shadow unchained and unleashed. The world made me this way. So let the world suffer, whoever its masters may be. She doesn't care if it's mutants or humans or machines. She's not here for anybody but herself. And they get the plan breakdown. They're they're doing Mystique and Destiny are doing a Bond villain scene where <laughs> they're explaining their master plot. Evil villain monologue. Yeah, right and now. they're just letting something happen in the background as they gloat about how great their ideas were. Which I mean, they're great. I mean, it's a great plan. Yeah, and and Moira. She, I think, is grasping at straws here a little bit. You oh, know, sure. She's like, she's oh, oh this was your plan? So you're just going to kill me? Well, like, yeah, girl, that's what they're doing. Why we're, not? They took away your powers, and now they're going to kill you. And that's that. Moira still wants to cure the mutants. Cure them before they've even become a mutant. Cure them before they even know what they've lost. And this is what I'm saying. This is why I said that I think that she... I mean, deserves it and i yeah. i just i just want to like call out my moments okay i'm feeling good about myself to know i thought i was suspect not the only one clearly right not the only person who is suspect of moira but i said the last time we recorded i was like i think she still wants to cure them and she does you right know? and i agreed i mean like that's why she had the cure notebook in the first issue yeah, that yeah. Was, that was i'm not saying you disagreed back. with me i'm just saying yay i got something right i feel cool gotcha. <laughs> don't steal my thunder right now thank you just it's our thunder fine fine and i'd assume that emma saw that moira was hiding the fact that she was developing the cure hiding it from xavier and magneto and trying to hide it from emma that was the exposed weakness that was the thing that she did not want to be seen mm. and it's what drove emma to reveal things to the murder ladies and plot for the takedown of the founders of Krakoa, which big picture is why Emma walks away as a hero in this issue and in this story. Yes, she does. I mean, yeah, that totally makes sense. I didn't even think of that, but Mystique and Destiny, they know when they're talking to Moira. Right. They like Destiny says, No, you wanted to cure them. Right. And so that might have been like more information that Emma gave, which is just the, another the, reason to just sing that song. Emma, Emma, get it, get it. Emma, Emma Frost. Which I don't know. The, the strategy of Moira's still doesn't really solve the problem in my mind, especially because she knows that machines are the ultimate threat in the end. Like if the human versus mutant argument was really something that was stalling to that end battle, if she makes mutants into humans, that does not eliminate the threat of the machines. But I think that in her mind, if the humans don't have mutants to contend with, they don't, they wouldn't go as far as to create the machines to the caliber. Because but in her already, past they, lives... They've already created them, though. Like, they're already there. Nimrod's there. Mother Mold's there. Right, but she doesn't know that the machines are against the humans. She still thinks that the mu the humans are the ones controlling the machines up in, in her history up until a certain point, right? And we haven't gotten to that point yet where the machines turn over. So mm -hmm. I feel like... I feel like in past times that there is some inclination that, that she knows that the machines are the actual threat, that the machines are the ones that they need to be wary about. The machines are the ones that 
are the real villains at the end. Okay. I'm just saying from the perspective of if you eliminate mutants versus humans, you eliminate one of the the problems. And the machines are also anti-mutant in the future, not anti-everyone. No, they're anti-everyone in the future. I mean, if you if you connect it to that, that's why the human race has been eliminated. You have that page in Powers of Ten where you have a, a human baby bonding with machine parts, and that's why like the Homo novissimo humans right. as a species are eliminated. In right, but I thought that was because humans were trying to become more than mutants because they were ascending or they were assimilating with machines because they were trying to overpower. Like, so you're saying outcome. it was a conscious choice of the humans to assimilate with the machines? Yes, and the machines now don't know that but i think that if she thinks that she can stop the machine the humans from taking that next step with the machines or continuing that or not feeling threatened by mutants anymore then you know even if they do assimilate with machines it would still just be all people assimilating with machines and not and not because they're trying to outweigh the mutants yeah i just don't see how that still gets them a, a win or prevents the phalanx coming from assimilating the entirety of... No, it doesn't. That's why she's wrong. But I'm just trying to like I just, see I, it from her perspective. Right, but I just don't understand how she can be that wrong after living all those lifetimes and learning all those things. Because she's selfish. Because it's not yeah. about that, yeah. actually. As someone will say in a moment. But we're back. We're back at the battle. This is... This is sparking some heated conversation. We're bringing in the whole the whole continuity. Yeah, our final battle between Magneto and Xavier and the machines. Magneto making a last play to find out where Moira is. He's got to know. He he wants to know. And he's pulling the machines apart and then watch out. Yeah, this standoff. Watch out cuz Nimrod's got Charles's head in his fist. And Magneto has Omega Sentinel about to obliterate herself, manipulated by his magnetism. The two of them start negotiating with the machines, which I feel like this is potentially the greatest loss to them, is that Magneto listens to Charles to... This is why he's out. I don't think so, because they they will not remember this encounter. Oh, yeah, you're right. So they will have no information about what's happened here. It's just so interesting that... In this conversation, in the beginning of this fight, Magneto says, you know, we're back where we always are. And he asks Charles, are you with me? Like, do you do you stand by what it is I'm saying to you? We have to destroy them. And Charles says, always. Yeah. And though I do understand Charles saying, you know, we need to make sure we find Moira because we can't let Moira be killed by them. And we won't remember the situation. So the only thing to do is to is to try. But I just I guess I was thinking Magneto is going to be upset that he listened to Charles and, and they lost. But I guess you're right. He won't remember. They're not going to remember any of this, which I don't I don't understand how if you're Xavier, if you're Magneto, you think that you're going to be able to walk away from this, that right. you, that you trust Nimrod to put xavier down that you trust him so much that you put omega down before nimrod puts xavier down this this uh snapping crushing his head oh gosh yeah it's intense i don't know that that just i'm I'm not 
questioning. I'm, I'm a little bit questioning Magneto's resolve in this and in listening to Charles, what they potentially stand to gain in terms of knowledge from this encounter versus what they could lose by letting Nimrod have the upper hand and, and releasing Omega while he's still got Charles by the throat. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's the sheer fact that if, if Magneto didn't release Omega, Nimrod was definitely going to kill Charles. That was a definite. Nimrod was like, if you do something else to her, that's it. I'm killing him. Right. So from the perspective of, well, he's saying this isn't out. We have to try that because we're going to die anyway. So we might as well try. But I would argue that, and and this is with the information that we have in the next couple pages, that if Magneto killed Omega and removed the power dampener that was in her hand, the potential to use that power dampener, he's he's going up against Nimrod. Maybe he's fueled by the fact that Nimrod has just killed Xavier, but he could potentially walk away from this exchange. He would yeah. have the information. Well, he let Charles make him think that Charles was superior in his decision-making skills, which he is not. <laughs> so it's too bad he won't remember. Ah, <laughs> oh, Charles. Yep. But, you know... All that is to say that it didn't go as planned and she she did use the power dampener. With a severed arm to be able to use that. That was insane to me. Right. He like ripped her completely apart. And she and she just reformed herself. Right. And she's still and she reforming herself. she controlled her arm from just like using her brain to control her arm that wasn't attached to her. Right. That's crazy. Just this Magneto unleashed, though, as he's taken. Oh, uh, yeah. Come on. If I When I see this, I ask, why didn't you send Magneto with X-Force? Because that would have gotten you what, you, you know, and then we wouldn't have four issues in an epic story mm-hmm. and we wouldn't be where we are. Sure. But to see, send Polaris, you know, send, right. right. You have abilities that you're not tapping into to their full potential. A lot of people ask that after the first issue. Why are you only sending three agents over and over and well, over again? Well, if you're again? thinking about it too, right? If they're if they're sending agents to battle machines and technology, why aren't you sending like Trinary? Why aren't you sending Polaris? Why aren't right. you sending Doug in some like why aren't you sending mutants who are whose skills are catered right. to machinery? Right. Why, only... why aren't you sending Wizkid? Like Right. You're just going to send the three that you know are your murder team. To go right. and murder. But it's not working. Right. So send some different peeps. Try again. Change up the hand. Let's talk about this final victory speech from Omega Sentinel. She is the big bad, as was revealed in issue three. But she wants them all dead. She wants to kill them all for how they have treated her kind. This last panel on this page. Did you honestly think we were going to sit around forever and just take it? Word for word. What Cyclops said to the Fantastic Four in House of X number one, which I just think is beautiful. And it just gives so much weight to their struggle. Right. You think about the the machines and and AI brains and Mm -hmm. consciousness of uh, a robot person or or kind of like that debate that we, we had in the trial of Charles Xavier on Grim Elkin Lane when we were talking about his manipulations of danger, mm-hmm. you know, it's just 
where does machine end when it's gifted with this hyper-intelligent AI and a physical form and becomes conscious, becomes growing and learning and evolving? It's so interesting, too, that, you know, machines and mutants are against each other. If they were on the same side, humans would be toast. Right, but humans aren't a threat. That's the problem. (laughs) It's just everybody... Machines don't need them. (laughs) No, they don't. But it's just everybody having a complex thinking that they're the end-all, be-all of everything. And they can't they can't possibly live in a society where someone else is better. Than well, it's because they can't trust each other, too, because they're all working at it. Right. You know, they, they're all even even if they tried to. I guess there was no version of Moira's lives where she actually did try to align with the humans mm-hmm. and or the machines. Right. What would that look like? And would that mean that she would be assimilated by the phalanx and they would get her intelligence and, and be able to rule across time? I, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just finding another group in the woods during a season of The Walking Dead. Right. You know, you just don't trust anybody. You don't trust anybody. Rick can ask his questions, but I don't trust him at all. (laughs) After all, we are the future, not you, which gave me X-Men 2000, the movie, (laughs) feels we are the future, not them, Charles. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, we're back. We're back with the lay days. Yeah. Having their little chat. They're doing their grandstanding. Time to cut up their captive. The excitement, the excitement from both of them. They're like, we have waited for for so long to do this to you, Moira. It's time for you to die and die forever. And then forever. The, the off off panel bubble. That sounds ominous. Playfully revealing. Wee. The My ruins to their plans. Gravy. I think we all knew or hoped that something like this would play out in the end. Doug stepping out from the shadows, revealing that he's been listening the whole time. Look at him just leaning against the he's wall. He's so casual. He's, he's so, so confident. He's so suave right now. Right? This is not a Doug I've ever no. seen before. This is Doug after he's been married to Bay. <laughs> this is Doug with a murderous, bloodthirsty woman in his life, teaching him the ways <laughs> teaching of... Teaching him the ways of evil swagger. Yeah, but at the same time, everything that he's saying is just so good and so pure and so... Ah. Mm-hmm. Is is Doug the person shaped whole? I don't know. I feel like that's what Destiny is is saying right now. Be careful. I'm blind to this moment. The boy brings chaos and a breaking of time mm. that she can't see the potential until a certain until point. Until he makes the decision. Where he makes that yeah. decision. Yeah. That that he has been in control, and we know that from the last couple of issues, he has been in this position of power since the start of Krakoa, and unknown to everyone. Even even at the end of this, they still don't know to the degree of what he knows or how he knows. And it's just so interesting, him, the perspective, right? It's not, oh, you're doing a wrong thing. It's a, hey, I'm glad you did this. Right. But now you're going to break a law if you kill her. So because she's human. So um, don't do that. I'm going to tell everyone. And (laughs) Mystique being like, well, I'll just kill you. And then whatever. It's always disappointing the way those who are supposed to protect us always end up too busy protecting themselves to do the job. But that doesn't mean we can't be better. Doug! 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 These threats back and forth. Mystique is ready to shift her murder rage to Doug. And it's it's also a nice tie-in to what we saw in the issue of Inferno that is technically taking place during the first house of x where uh charles just leaves and doug makes those little jokes like mm-hmm. oh what if the island tries to eat me like da, da, da. and him and warlock are going back and forth about how they don't actually really trust charles and 
you know, all these people in power who are supposed to be doing what's good for, you know, Krakoa, even in this moment, their mystique and destiny maybe taking away Moira's powers and or stopping Moira from creating the cure, that's what's good for Krakoa. But killing her is good for them. Right. That's their revenge. That's what they need. It's not actually motivated that, by... That's not what he's supporting right. right now. You know, you've gotten what you need. We've protected our time. We've protected Krakoa. And if you try to come at me, my friends here will uh, have yeah, my back. Because so. because one epic entrance wasn't enough. No, we must have the entourage a few more. Coming in with Bay, Krakoa, and then the reveal of Warlock. I do love how he's looking right now. I yeah. don't understand what the difference is because he's got something... Something different to his coloration. Mm. I think he's more black than yellow. Right. Where normally it's vice versa. Yeah. Three, and I love the, the three. Yeah. Three possibilities. You kill Moira, be removed from the council, Mystique's exile, and Destiny dies six months later. Try to kill Doug, option two, but that will fail. Mystique will die, Destiny will not, but will remain on the council if possible, but not likely. You will eventually be resurrected three years from now, which I think is interesting because as the X office has talked, they have the next relatively three years of story planned mm. out. So what is that point at the end that of that? That would three, make right? her and I don't know, potentially resurrected. Right. I don't know the, the three years on one to yeah, the other. Yeah, what is time? Right. <laughs> Third option. The boy Doug wins. Says. We let Moira escape. We remain on the council and consolidate power. As does he in bold, which I thought was an interesting distinction. Well, you know, it's time to take Warlock, Doug, and Krakoa and bring them into the fold, I think. I don't know. I feel like they're doing better outside of the fold. I, I would question in the same way that we question everybody with too much power and too much oversight is mm -hmm. at what point does Doug turn for his own interests if that happens? Mm -hmm. it, it Can anyone really be pure enough that... They have the best intentions for everyone. Right. We'll see. You know, I just feel like with him out and being able to see everything and potentially sinister knowing, but I don't think anybody knows to the degree how much he's embedded into Krakoa. Mm -hmm. Bye, Moira. But here, take a warlock arm so we can keep tabs on you. No more Krakoan gates. Good luck, self-not friend. <laughs> You'll be coming for me, I suppose. Oh, it won't just be us. I'm certain of it in bold. Oh, enjoy your humanity while you can, while you run. It's what she's always wanted, right? She wanted this cure. She, she wanted, wanted to, to be, be a human, right? right? She just wanted it for everyone. Well, you can't have it for everyone, but you don't have to live any more crazy lives than we so get out of here. It's interesting just to think about how living all this time has affected her, mm -hmm. right? And that's always been a, a thing, some odd childbirths you know for those first right. handful of years where she has to keep her genius intellect in check right she's had a it's a difficult rebirth because she has to go through all of the time she can't fast forward right. any of it right and and not only what that will do to her personally but how that would affect how she thinks of herself in relation to everyone else mm -hmm. she thinks she's the don you know mm -hmm. she's ultimate she's, she's the, the one in charge right she's might even be bordering on a god complex at this time. Yeah. Thousand years old, has seen the end of time over and over and over again. Yeah, that's true. 
Now it's one week later. What an interesting amount I, of time. It just feels like a long time to pass and not resurrect Xavier and Magneto. Well, things needed to be taken care of before they could return. And I just wonder how many more things have been taken care of. You know, you have the council has priority in resurrection to the point where when Apocalypse died. It was like instantaneous. Instantly. Like they knew he died, which I don't understand. Right. But it was instantly. It was, it was just right Instant. out of the right out of the egg. We have a week that passes. I just, I wonder what else happened in that time. Well, maybe we, we'll find out. We know Emma has been quite busy. <laughs> She's told the entire council about Xavier and Magneto's plans, their work with that woman. That woman. They will all carry the secrets of Moira's lives. The quiet council is a curse now, not just a burden. I love here, the thing I love about this situation is that Emma is putting Charles back in quote-unquote charge. Right. He is the face, but she is so much saying, it's not about you anymore, Charles. You want to be the spearhead? You want to be the face of Krakoa? Good, go for it. Now it's a responsibility. Now it's your responsibility, but we're all watching you. And I also am the one who gave everyone this information. So I kind of have an upper hand in here, but like, right. it's fine. And also I've got Mystique and Destiny in my back pocket because I gave them some of the justice that they've been looking for. And the whole Quiet Council thinks you are the worst, but it's fine. Yeah. I mean, this arguably, we I think we've said it previously that this potentially should have happened previously. Mm-hmm. You know, you're trying to lead this nation with the urgency of what is on the future side Mm -hmm. you're gonna bring together all these people you probably should really bring them together and really bring them into the light like let them know what's up but now that just gives me all sorts of interesting feelings about immortal x-men and what's coming after yeah yeah woof i know and then we get these little uh these little nuggets of the nation's founders yeah magneto and xavier the always faithful Storm and Nightcrawler, the trustworthy, which uh, that's Colossus not going to play not, out. For it. Not. This is, and just the just the demonic stare of his face. Mm. Bearded Colossus does not seem like a friend. <laughs> but also the innocent children. Duck is not very innocent at this point. Right. He is is very much so a part of what has transpired here. I think that's an interesting. And kind of cool perspective of calling him that, right? The innocent child, but he's not. And he, and is there really a, in a situation of like war and constant struggle, is there really innocence anymore? Right. Well, especially in his perspective of having known everything. He, he's like, dad died and you have to be the man of the yeah. house. You have to take, you know, Charles is out. And I, I've got to be in charge. And I knew that since the start. And, yep. you know, Doug is just, he's got a swishy hair off to the side, sitting in his perch. Mm-hmm. Doug in his little perch. Just chilling. His little emo haircut. Yeah. They're, they're broken keepers. Mm-hmm. Emma, Emma. Which is interesting, you know, you think about how many times she's tried to do what they're doing and how she's failed at it and how she feels like she can't anymore. For the children. The heroes, the villains, the killers, the liars, and the true believers. Which Exodus wanted more from you, but what's gonna happen? I just feel like the way that Exodus is standing there and that he's the last one, like 
something's going to come up for him in Immortal X-Men. I feel like I it hope has so. to. He, I feel like he's the only council member who we haven't gotten a real taste of anything outside of him sitting in that council chair and or standing around a fire right. talking to children. The Destiny has had more panel time in these four issues than Exodus has had in these last two years. Yeah. We need something from Exodus. Let's get it. Planet X-Men co-signs this message because he <laughs> loves Exodus and is constantly saying, we need more. We need more. Krakoa was created to last, to endure the end times. Built on hope, paid in full, and able to withstand any force that would rise against it. We built the walls high and locked ourselves inside. Forever. 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 To be continued forever. To be continued forever. Immortal X-Men in March. In March. Overall thoughts. I mean, when I read this issue, my brain exploded so many times. Yeah, we. I, I, I read this issue so quickly. I feel like... And then I read it again. And then I read it again. I feel like this last issue did a really awesome job of... Giving me twists and turns and things that I didn't expect, but also giving me vindication and satisfaction of getting the things that I did or some of the things that I did suspect correct, you know? And at that same time, telling a complete story. Yes. Wrapped it up nice. Right? There's still a lot open and even a lot more with this final everybody knows, you know, rule as this council that everybody knows. This is the time to get a book of the council that... I've wanted since the start, and I feel like with now their information, it adds an extra layer of intrigue. But to have in these four issues a solid story that adds so much energy going into the next era, the next Mm -hmm. era of Krakoa, but still ties together a lot. Not all. You know, you're never going to tie them all together. And that's the potential of Claremonting, where you're leaving open things Yep. To to tie little play with nuggets, la- little hands you Hansel and Gretling yourself. Sure. Yep. Leaving little breadcrumbs. I have a question for you, sir. Uh oh. When we spoke with Mr. Benjamin Percy, yes, he said, "Oh, that's one of lives my and deaths of Wolverine was going to directly tie into Inferno." Well, what do you think? I think I think it might be the other way around. Is that Inferno? Is going to directly tie into X lives and, and ten deaths. That's what I meant. Like right. it picks up right from there. Right. There's a baton so, toss. So what do you think the baton toss is related to? Who's well, passing that baton? It's a we know that it is a mutant that Wolverine is going to hunt for throughout time. I feel like it has to be connected to one of the key players here, either Mystique, Moira. Or Destiny. Mm. Is he trying to find Moira? Is he going on this journey at the bequest of Xavier to find Moira? Poo, 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 poo. It's not Xavier's request. Oh, you mean because Xavier wants her back? Right. Because he can't get over it? And Xavier is at the core of the story. It has been referenced that he is Got it. involved in the winter Wolverines, the, the weeks of Wolverines. Do you think that Xavier is going to want to reinstate Moira's... Mutant abilities. I'm not sure he can. Unless, you know, I, I don't know how he would be able to. I guess you could kill her and then and resurrect her. But How does that even work with her? Right. Does Sinister even have her mutant genes on file? Because right, I don't think that they would trust would, him with right, that. Right. They would how never would that make trust sense? him with right. that information. Exactly. Yeah. I just, 
I think that that was my last question on my list of questions <laughs> of the gotcha. baton pass from this last issue to Inferno to the new event series. I feel like it's got to be someone corely relative to this finale. I'm trying and- to think of all the things that he said, the stories that he mentioned as far as like, read this, read this. And I was like, okay, people do your homework. Because Weapon X and Team X. Trying to think of who might be. Like, is Moira involved in those stories? Are there any connection? Could it be Omega Sentinel that they're trying to figure out? Could it have to do with... I think it might be Mystique. And the only reason I say that is because she has had such a long life. Like him. Like him. Has she been involved or captured by Weapon X at some point? By the, you know, we don't know. Do you think that the holiday special comic of this relationship of the two of them throughout time was a little nod to... Potentially. But or I don't that know. Was just for fun. I, I think that was just for fun. I don't but know. You know me. I like to find a reason I w- for I everything. I would love that to tie into canon, the <laughs> 90s holiday special that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. All right. What are your other questions? Well, first, I want to say I am now officially on the side of Team Emma. This is the best day of my life. And I want to give you props. Emma was right. Like capital Emma, capital was, capital right. Make it a t-shirt. Emma was right. Okay, I'll make it a t-shirt. I'm going to put that up on our tea public. Yes, she went about it in a way that made me question her motives, especially in issue three, bringing in Destiny and Mystique so quickly to, to take out Moira, essentially. But she was operating with some potentially secret information that we didn't know. Mm-hmm. We suspected Moira was up to shady business. And for all the good that she has brought to this era of X-Men, oh boy, she was ready to just burn it all down and eliminate <laughs> all the mutants. And to think about to eliminate them before they're even mutants, to eliminate the yeah, mutant before, children. Yeah, not not my children. Right, for the children. For right? the children, okay. And I actually wonder, and it's my next question, if having Xavier and Magneto killed was actually a part of Emma's plan. Because with them in the resurrection protocols delayed by that week, that was how she was able to oust them from their position of all the power, all the knowledge keeping, and and create essentially a fully realized quiet council where everyone knows what they have to do. That's interesting. I don't know. There's a part of me that wants to say that it's a similar situation to what we were talking about earlier where like, Orcus was already there, so they used that to their advantage. So Mystique and Destiny were just mad at Charles and Magneto, so they just happened to set them up. But like, I there's a part of me that wants to think that Emma wouldn't do that. But also, it's it's death without consequence. Right. At the same exactly. time, she knows that she can bring them back, and she has the power to bring them back when she wants to. When when, she when wants she's to. made all of yeah. her moves. And you know, I think. It's a, it's a sticky situation, right? It's a sticky – that's a line. Overall, what she did I, is obviously we're making it a t-shirt. Emma was right. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm making it a t-shirt as soon as we're done recording. Um, But that does – that decision, if she did make that decision, like that toes a line of – Oh, yeah. You know – and I feel like that's Charles even, Xavier territory. And I feel like that's even what Doug is responding to mm-hmm. when he's confronting them in the no place. Does he have a tap in Emma's room? I'd assume yes, in the White Palace. Right. You know. And I would say I would like to believe that that she didn't do that intentionally, but I also wouldn't put it past her. I think she did. Uh, I personally so, think that she did because that was a way to then not 
not take the power from herself, which was part of the conversation earlier, that mm-hmm. she was going to be the Charles, she was going to be the head honcho. Right. But to shift the power away from just the two and the silent partner in the no place to everyone at the table having full knowledge of what they're fighting for. Yeah, it was it was definitely strategic in that it gave her the opportunity to sort of set things the way she wanted them to be set or at least have the opportunity to lay down the law or give out the information without Charles trying to and Magneto trying to pepper in other information. Which I'd argue if she did not have that opportunity, we would not be where we're at at the end of the issue. Mm -hmm. So it makes me believe that she did it on purpose, that that was Mm -hmm. part of the plan. That was part of the discussion that severing the arm was potentially part of that trap leading them to yeah what could have happened next like you need to go you need to here's here's the things i know that this is how you find moira i know this is the gun you used to take away her powers she has a tracker in her arm you're gonna lead magneto and xavier here you're gonna get rid of them for me for a little while and also p.s moira's planning to cure all the mutants and that makes even i'm still like just like holding on to you saying that that she you know she knew that because that makes that whole encounter that whole her saying to them like for it's for the children like and the way that the the way that she got upset with charles and magneto yeah afterwards because because is that what she saw immediately did she know immediately not only that moira was trying to lie in the lie that Xavier Magneto knew in showing that they always win, but that she discovered the lie that they never saw. Right. Like they didn't know that. Yeah. That's crazy. I wonder what's going to happen when they find out. Charles is going to go cry for a while, probably. Yeah. I love Moira. You betrayed me. Do you think that Emma shared with the council the psychic memories that she absorbed or she just told them about it? No, I think she she showed them. She gave everything. She so, she laid it all out on the line. I think the degree of anger that she had for how much was kept from her, I don't think she would just give the rest of the council a little nugget of information. I think she gave them everything. And I just, I still, and I was talking about it in issue three, I want to call in the telephone, you know, like the, the losing of information over mm-hmm. time. The fact that even in House of X and Powers of Ten, Xavier needed to read Moira's mind again. Right. Wanted to, it wasn't enough to just see it one time. So the fact that Emma has scanned her mind and is now keeping this information in her head and transmitting this information to other people, does this interpret it differently? Does this lose some of the impact over time? I don't have an answer to it. I just think it's an interesting thing to consider. Yeah. I mean... I was just looking back at the comic. I do think, yes, I do think the telephone effect is is valid and there's definitely going to be some sort of translated things that maybe are misconstrued. But she does actually say, I told the council, all of them, I told them the truth about what you and Eric and that that woman had been hiding all your secrets, yep. all your lies, all the failed lives. Right. So I think she just like, she gave it everything. And I wouldn't even be surprised if she said, and then they told me, and then I went behind their back, and I told Mystique and Destiny, and this is what happened. Because I just feel like Emma is the type of person, she's unapologetic for 
the things that she does because she truly the same way that Magneto truly believes that he's doing what he's doing for the good of his people she feels the same way so she's not going to apologize for giving them the tools to do what they did she's like this had to be done and I did it and I'm telling you about it how how excited do you think Sinister was when he saw Chimera succeed and all the things because he's now he seen- was like freaking thrilled right he's seen he's, life he's, nine life it was like it's like he got a new cape right on christmas morning exactly thoughts on mystique's role throughout this story so i i was reading this issue and thinking about the fact that this is a mystique story from start to finish mm. she is orchestrating everything from bringing destiny back to getting around the council handling moira albeit not the final resolution that she wanted but but still and and the her involvement i almost thought that was overplaying her shape-shifting abilities because of how many people she impersonated throughout the last couple of issues. Mm -hmm. But I just, if I were to pick a main character of this story, I'd say it was Mystique. What was your original question? (laughs) Thoughts on Mystique's role throughout this story. Basically, I asked a question as a way to answer the question and then create conversation (laughs) with you, which I don't do all the time. I mean, I do agree that she was a main pillar in the story I think the thing that makes this story and this arc such a great story is that I don't think you I personally don't feel like there is one main character I think you can look at the story from a couple of different perspectives Mm -hmm. but I do think the arc of Mystique's revenge is a very big one in the story right and I think it's a testament to just how powerful mystique's abilities are and in this particular age i personally haven't seen mystique really use her shape-shifting that often and i have to think about if you are a mutant that can constantly change who you are and constantly disguise yourself that and you've been alive for so long like you're probably really good at it really good at improvising and thinking on the spot and deciding who you're going to be and so it doesn't really phase me that she was so many people Mm. in so many situations. And I think it's an interesting parallel to the way that she conducts herself on a personal level, you know, how she handles herself in the, in the council. And when she was arguing for destiny to have her seat on the council, the way that she went to each individual person and became what they needed in that moment you know and so it really ties into not just her physical mutation and her ability but her personality and the way that she gets what she wants is by manipulating and transforming the situation into what she needs it to be Hmm. so that's interesting i don't know if that answered your question but It, it was really just a question to talk further about mystique's role in this the only reason or the main reason why i think mystique as a main character if not the main character is at the start of the arc our main characters always want something, mm-hmm. right? Something very important to them that they will do anything for. And that was destiny. And yep. then it was Moira. And so those two wants and desires carry through these four issues. And everything else is mm-hmm. seemingly reacting to the chaos that she's causing by accomplishing her goals or trying to accomplish her goals. She doesn't get the final resolution that she wants. She gets close to it. And we have a tease of something more to come that people will come for Moira. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about. Well, Mag- sorry. But that in itself, that statement, what you just said, 
people will come for Moira. And the fact that Destiny says people will come for you, not just us, I, I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. Certain. Then is that an argument for Moira being the one that Wolverine is looking for? Right. And that might be the, the clue is that, you know, is, is Wolverine trying to get her genetic material? Is Wolverine trying to somehow, I don't think he would be able to, to scan her mind, but, you know, is, is he trying to connect with Professor X to get him? Or is Wolverine trying to track down how it is that in this life Moira reconstructed the cure? Mm. I, I feel like that's small potatoes at this point. Right. Unless unless she's continuing to, to move with yeah, it. Yeah, I think that she exactly she ran away and then she's like, Well haha, I can still I was a regular <laughs> old scientist when I figured out the cure and just because I'm a mutant that doesn't have anything to do with my scientist abilities. I mean evil laugh, run away, you'll never catch me. That does connect to one of my next questions. It's the Grecoan era is not done. Nope. It's seemingly not done with Moira. What does she do now? She's a villain. Bye. I think so. I, I, <laughs> I feel like she needs to be because Xavier Magneto, they don't know what happened. Right. I, I assume. I don't well, think someone, that. Someone probably tell them right now. I, I don't know. That's that's another question is just what else do they know at the end? They have to know that she was in the no place and is no longer there. Yeah, right? I think. Like I said, I think Emma just laid it all out for everybody, including huh. them when they come back. So they, everyone knows that Moira is there, that Destiny Myst- and Destiny and Mystique use this power neutralizing yes. gun. Like, we took her powers away because she was creating a cure and we knew that if she died as a mutant, everything would be reset. So we solved that problem by taking her powers away. However, there was a mishap. Maybe they don't tell everybody about Krakoa and Doug. You know, maybe but they don't even know. Like, what do they know about? Kirk well, they Doug? know that Doug stopped them and they know that Doug said, I've been listening for a long time. Right. And so, so they don't know the extent of right. that. Nobody trusts a no place anymore. Right. So, you know, that's but I don't think that I just don't think that Emma would keep all of that stuff secret. I think she's laying it out. For you know, them. She better not. That's the moral of the story right. is that don't keep you secrets can't. from the council. Yeah, I think she lays it out, and she's like, "This is what happened." And now Moira is a bad, bad guy. You you shouldn't love her, Charles. She's trying to cure you. She was never really trying to save you. Yeah, I just it's crazy because how much they they supposedly win this life, but she's never seen them win. Right, so she doesn't have faith in that, and that I understand that. But do they win this life after this issue? You can't. Answer that question. No, I know. Time is irrelevant. I, I, I'm not asking the question <laughs> for an answer. I'm asking the question for dissection of the potential. And is is this all stuff that had happened? Because I don't think anything that Nimrod or Omega Sentinel has done would affect what Emma and Mystique and Destiny have done. Right. So you think. Regardless of the fact that Omega has now come back and things are escalating faster with Orcus, Moira losing Moira her would powers. Still, uh, Mystique would still want to bring Destiny back, and Moira would still be saying no. And this situation would happen in some way, in some form. Right. So, I don't think Omega Sentinel and Nimrod have actually played their hand. No. That's that's a long game. That's yeah. the end plot. But. Was there a version of, you know, we look at the the timeline breakdown, life A and life B of this. Like, mm. Moira 10A, 10B. Right. 
I feel like at this point they're still, well, I guess not because Omega's influence is what helps create Orcus. Right. But Orcus is formed just later. Right. So I think, I think you're right. I think that this event would have happened and maybe the fact that the mutants are doing it without Moira, maybe that's the difference in the timeline. That is the reason that they would have won. Hmm. Yeah. But it's really, it's a difficult argument to make or a difficult discussion to have because the way time works, Comics. the moment that Omega went back in time, theoretically, everything for the future actually changed. Right, right. Butterfly effect. So, who the heck knows? So do you think that Moira joins Orcus? No. No? No. Orcus, maybe... I mean, maybe she's like, hey, guys. Hey, you want to check out? Want to cure mutants? Yeah, right. That's they all betrayed me. Charles and Magneto never came back for me because they don't know or or what do they know? I I think that that's an interesting gap of what they know. They've not had that conversation that that philosophy bomb drops from Omega Mm -hmm. Sentinel with her. I love that that. That line that quoting Cyclops from issue one of Hoxpox, I just feel like that's a bookend Hickman moment. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that's an interesting perspective. She totally could go join join Orcus and just and jump on is, the band of mutant hating people. There is a X-Men issue tease cover with Orcus's essentially oh, council right. sitting council. in the quiet council's chairs. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't. I don't know though. Some for some reason, I feel that she's going to be a rogue agent. She's going to be out on her own, doing her own thing. But it also would make perfect sense for her to go take her cure to Orcus. Mm. Those are all my questions. I, I just feel like I don't know. I'm not done with that one yet. All right. I just feel like she's still against Orcus. She's still against the machines. She's right? against the machines, and the machines are part of Orcus. Or at least Orcus is is the they're the people that create the machines. Like maybe she's just gonna be like, I'm gonna solve this problem on my own. I don't know. Forget y'all. Uh, I just don't know how you know what's what's her end goal now? Is it to just die peacefully? Hide. Right. She doesn't get her eleventh life, or at least not where the story is now. If she makes the right decisions, which I guess the right decisions would have been to allow Destiny to come back earlier. Well, the right decision would be not to try to recreate the cure. Sure, right. And she failed at that. It was a desperate, desperate attempt. You know, she's got one last shot. I, I, if I'm Moira at this point, and I'm a thousand years old, I don't care if I get a life 11. I'm done. We good. I've lived a thousand years. Yeah, that's fine, but you still wouldn't create a cure for mutants. Yeah, I guess I guess I'm questioning the motivation for that. I already ex- tried to explain my point on that, and we're not going to go back down that dark, <laughs> dark road of arguments. <laughs> Heated discussion. Heated discussion. So I actually want to talk about Omega Sentinel, her influence on the timeline that we've been reading versus the timeline she comes from. Okay. This might get a little brain hurty, <laughs> and right, if I'm at any time you're like, what? You can stop me. Okay, okay. I went back and I looked at those two timelines in the data pages of issue three. Yeah. And and thought about... Like the A, B one? Yep. Okay. And thought about the events. So we have always been reading Moira's Life 10B. Yes. Marvel 616 has always been this story. 
At the end of Hoxpox, it's retconned that we've always been reading Moira's 10th life. That was established and confirmed. Yes, there were ways that it doesn't make perfect sense, but now it's revealed that it's always been a second branch of this timeline through these data pages. Yes. Okay. So far, so good. Following. (laughs) And by that timeline, what started the divergence in the data pages, what seemingly started Life 10B was the flawed Nimrod initially being sent back in time, right? So the humans desperate to prevent something, prevent the mutants from winning, which is what creates the stories of him being there in the 80s by Claremont and then ongoing to have him be there. That potentially wasn't in Life A. I don't know. So Omega was involved in that. She was... In the branch off. She did not go back with him, but she was present, not fully realized as Omega Sentinel, but still within the Omega cycle and was there when Gregor sent... Sent Nimrod back. Nimrod, a lesser version. It is even referred to as like the lesser. So it was almost intended, not really intended to fail, but it was presumed to fail. Mm Mm-hmm. Later on, after the humans really lose, once Omega comes back in time from that same future that that lesser Nimrod came from, yep, knowing that Nimrod was lesser, that's where we really get the 10B. So that earlier creation of Orcus, orchestrated by Omega Sentinel, mm-hmm. the fact that mutants are ready for Nimrod to come online, but it doesn't matter, they're coming online even sooner. This earlier development of and emergence of the Mother Mold and Nimrod, these are all because of Omega's influence. Right. And I think these are the reasons Moira starts to develop the cure again. She sees her inability to stop the machines and she gets, she panics. And she goes back to what her initial intent was, which she thinks this is potentially my last life. This is what I thought was right from the start. Mm-hmm. And I'm preventing destiny from coming back so she'll never know what i'm doing if i keep it secret yeah yeah like that's what i was saying before is that she her first reaction was if there's no mutants then they don't they don't need to continue doing all this craziness so she's like that she thought that was the answer Hmm. so she's you know like i'm agreeing with you and i think that the motivation i don't know exactly what her thought process is But in my mind, it makes sense that she would do that because I was wondering why she would think to do that now when she's worked with Charles and Magneto to make this whole plan. And she had believed so fully in this plan originally. But it makes sense. She's seeing it fall apart. She's seeing it fall apart. And then it makes sense that she's like, okay, well, it's not working doing any of the things that Destiny said. So I have to go back to doing what I originally wanted to do, which was erase mutants. And then there's no problem. And you think about how because of Moira's past lives knowledge and because of Omega's future knowledge, we're coming to this point, which is the now in comics. And I do, I think it's interesting too, like uh, Destiny brings up that it's a nexus, like this event is a nexus event. And I don't know if that was just the specific meeting with them there Mm -hmm. or if that's just where they are at in the potential of storytelling or in the X-Men universe. Yeah, yeah. Because you have these two sides with competing playbooks of what could happen or what would happen. So, Because even though Moira is now taken out as Moira X, she's no longer a part of... Right. The death of Moira X. But the entire Quiet Council, they don't necessarily need her because they have all that information. Mm -hmm. As of right now, for the last 
however many years that she's been alive in the no place, she hasn't really been contributing any right. new information. No, she's just been squirreling away, working on her cure. Being <laughs> the next big villain, apparently. <laughs> any other thoughts or questions? Speculation on Immortal X-Men? What do you think... What kind of toll do you think this information is going to take on peop- on Nightcrawler? Like, let's talk about Nightcrawler specifically, right? He's hiding this information from the rest of Krakoa. When I'm, I'm just kind of looking through all the pages of, you know, the, the people, the founders, the whatever. And if you look at everybody, right, I feel like the only other person I would potentially question would be Kate. But I feel like Kate has come to a position with working with Hellfire Trading Company that she knows that there are some things that are meant for everyone's ears and some things that are not. Mm -hmm. But I just, I feel like Nightcrawler is the only person on the council who might have a hard time with what's happening here. Well, I mean, you go back to his earlier struggles with resurrection in the Krakoan age, Mm -hmm. right? This idea of a soul and what happens when you die and then to be confronted with the fact of Moira living these 10 lives and seeing that and and, and being reincarnated, does that shake him in some way? Mm. I wonder if that would play into Legion of X at all. Right. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about that. (laughs) But to then further you have how many books you have legion of x you have x-men red you have marauders led by council members Mm. with this information how does that impact their decision making abilities how does that impact where they go with these teams yeah that's interesting storm you know arako i don't think is really in any of the lives right there's there's the one with apocalypse where the four horsemen are reunited with apocalypse but i don't know if we really get any full Arako comes back. Maybe she knows or they all know. I mean, they all know about Krakoa and Arako and Okara. Mm-hmm. That's just a wormhole. Yeah. Yeah. And I just feel like Storm has the same mindset of she's a leader. And right. she, I don't feel, I guess, I don't know that it would break Nightcrawler, but just looking at everyone, thinking of the weight of this knowledge, oh, yeah. I would feel... It like would definitely trouble him. It and would be troubling for him, whereas other people can shoulder that without... I don't know. I'm looking at Storm in the same in the same shot, and if I was Storm, man, I already had so much on my plate. You know, I got this full planet of people trying to murder me every day. I've got... Abigail Brand that I don't even know what's going on with her. But I feel like Storm is looking, the facial expression of Storm is like, I am disappointed that you guys are throwing this at me too. Get it together, friends. She's like the angry mom of the group. Right. You know? She's not mad. She's disappointed. But this is also later. We don't even know how long after, but you know they're all surrounding them they've sat with this knowledge potentially for that full week before the full week well i'm sure the whole week was a lot of them debating we gotta what talk we gotta about do. this yeah. what are we gonna do what's gonna happen blah 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 essentially forming their own collective within you know they're the council now right, and charles right. is just a figurehead and magneto is not going to be okay with that and then he's gonna bounce right they're all working against me and my boyfriend <laughs> i have to go I'm leaving. I'm living on my asteroid. Leave me alone. I'm getting my brotherhood out of the pit and I'm leaving. We're going to live by ourselves and we don't want no trouble from none of you. Cue Fabian Cortez. Dreadlord Magneto. <laughs> Please. That, Fabian's definitely going with him. Yeah. He's like, Magneto, can I come? Yeah. Well. 
we're we're gonna get to X Men Six at a later date. I think we're gonna combine that date. into next week's episode, and because there's only one X book next week with Marauders, so you know that was it. We did it. We talked about Inferno. We had heated discussions. I'm gonna reread it a couple times. And oh yeah, maybe just, like read all four issues together. Yeah, maybe start at the beginning. Let's go. I already did that. For... No, I'm not talking about everything. I don't need to read everything. No, I've but read... Hoxpox. Right. Like Hoxpox into this is a good. Oh, right, right, right. I read Hoxpox for Ugly Xmas. Hoxpox, Hoxpox. Say it again. Hoxpox. What the heck is Hoxpox? What the heck is Hoxpox? If you've listened to our Ugly Xmas episode or watched that on YouTube, my dad loved the What the Heck is Hoxpox segment and potentially now knows what Hoxpox is. We Maybe. Don't know. We'll, we'll see. Well, until next time, old friend. Charles, you're not in charge anymore. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. <laughs>